0: Welcome to The Young and the Woke, a podcast that gives the mic to high school students in Oakland, California to tell their stories. I'm your host, Young Wan Choi. Join us for each episode where we go to a polling station. I'm going to be voting for the first time for an Oakland election. We also ride the city bus.
1: And my love for AC transit in general.
0: And go on field trips. On this audio journey, Keep your ears open for how students awaken to their sense of purpose and what helps them find their way. You can sleep later. It's time for the Young and the Woke. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is your host, Young Wan. In this episode of the Young and the Woke, I got the chance to catch up with Yi Wu, longtime Oakland teacher and Oakland Teacher of the Year in 2018-19. We've worked together over the years on various initiatives in the district, from civic engagement to ethnic studies to the graduate capstone. Sit back and listen to her story, how she became a teacher, why she's passionate about centering youth voice, how she continues to learn and grow, and finally, what her dreams are for changing public education. Through her journey, she reminds us that students and teachers alike are not empty vessels. Here's Jai
1: my name is Jia Yi Wu. I am currently a teacher on special assignment at Oakland Technical High School in the Oakland Unified School District in California.
0: I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about you know, your own journey into education.
1: Um, so I didn't see myself becoming a teacher, largely because my mom is a retired elementary school teacher now. And I saw growing up just the amount of commitment and hard work she dedicated to the profession. But I didn't really see the impact that the work she engaged in had on students. Went to college and I joined AmeriCorps and AmeriCorps gave me an opportunity to work with teacher leaders. Really gave me a ground level appreciation of the day-to-day work, but also just the impact that that work has on young people, daily moments of inspiration that feed the fire of of teaching. And that's when I went and got my credential. So I went to Mills. I wanted to stay in the Bay Area because I knew I wanted to teach in Oakland. And so I remember um, this idea of youth power um, was really my focus. How do we show young people that they do have a lot of power in their voice? somehow in conversation, a number of us who were committed to teaching in Oakland in the program decided that maybe we should try and apply as a cohort so that way we could support each other. We um, ended up at Bret Hart Middle School, which is off of Coolidge Avenue in Oakland, and um, most of us were there for a good solid five, six years. And so it felt like there was some continuity of support because there were mills alums there who um, had experienced a similar pedagogy and um, that laid a solid foundation in in terms of getting started in teaching in oakland
0: i mean that makes me think about just this idea of like how do you sustain all of that because the the daily challenges of teaching just like grind you down you know (laughs) and so how do you you know how do you stay fresh how do you stay bringing that passion every year
1: even though i can speak with so much passion around it there are days and there have been weeks there's even been years where teaching has been so hard um and i have i have wanted to quit i've taken a break from teaching as well um i've had to figure out different ways to take care of my health. My first few years of teaching, I would just work, 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 um, and not set a limit. My end time would be when I was done. Now, in the past few years, I've set an alarm to make sure that there's a clear end time to my work time. And whatever I can get done in that time, then that will be what is done and everything else we'll figure out the next day.
0: You know, you participate in a lot of professional development like when you're choosing which PD to participate in, like what are the qualities of a PD?
1: I definitely look at the opportunities for collaboration. I like learning from others and being with others. And I think it also speaks to my value or at least belief that if we're going to change anything about education, we have to do it together. So I look for PD opportunities where I can work with other people in my school or at my grade level or in my content area or in my district. So that way, whatever learnings come from that PD, then perhaps there's an opportunity that that learning can be systematized. And then I also look at the facilitators um, and just their learning orientation. Like, are, is it the type of PD where I'm just sitting there as an empty vessel taking in all the information where I'm lectured at, or is it one in which there's time in which we'll be able to interact with people, where I'll be able to plan, some time to process because a a lot of PDs there's so much information to process, and then there's no time to actually process it and think about application. And so when will that actually happen if not in PD? So Mm -hmm. um, I... (laughs) (laughs)
0: You're like going to PD to get more overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So when have you experienced collective agency as a teacher and what were you working on and what allowed your group of teachers to come together?
1: One of the most powerful collaboration teams that I've uh, been a part of was the ninth grade English California studies team at Oakland Tech a few years ago. More like eight, nine years ago. Um, <laughs> it's like a few years ago. <laughs> a few years ago. It's longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that that team, plus the partnerships that you helped to cultivate with that team. I think you helped cultivate a partnership with Tom Scherheim. So with Tom's support and your support, we started shifting our work in california history to um, a civic engagement focus to this culminating taking action project at the end of the year in which students uh, chose an issue in which they were passionate about and the projects that students came up with were amazing and Mm. i think it went back to uh, what i shared earlier around this desire for thinking about youth empowerment mm-hmm. and youth mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. And that project epitomizes what I have valued so long in my life.
0: You know, this this particular moment, while it's like really unsettling, it's also this opportunity to like re-examine everything that we do,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, from how we get our groceries to, as well as like, how do we educate young people? What, what would you want Teaching to look like as we, you know, reimagine kind of our world right now.
1: Despite the crisis that's happening, I think the conversations around what teaching looks like or should look like is really getting to what I would hope our world will be, where we center our young people and um, their needs. I think the fact that, our, at least in my conversations with staff right now, the daily check-ins. Uh, like what's going on is, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Like they're leading with that, that shift again to centering our students and who they are is is important and how I would want um, teaching to be. And I think the second thing that's coming out from this crisis is that this distance learning does not replace the actual interactions and relationships that we have with students. in a, a real live moment. Our young people are not these empty vessels that we fill up. They're not here to memorize rote facts. They're here to like process and learn and observe and try things out and be curious. And I think that's the other thing, especially that I'm seeing um, some of the young people that I interact with on social media that um, they're trying new things out. Um, and that curiosity mm-hmm. is, um, I feel like that curiosity has been tamped down so much by standardized testing and the social pressures that they have to succeed in the way that society has determined that they must succeed. Like they must Mm -hmm. get certain scores on the SATs. Um, They must take all these advanced placement classes. And so now that those have been taken away, uh, no standardized testing, um, the SAT is removed as a requirement for next year's students. Like they're starting to relearn about learning and how Mm. learning can be directed by themselves and that they have ownership around it. Um, And so I'm hoping that whatever world we move into, that it still centers that curiosity.
0: We've been in the work together for many, many years now, Mm -hmm. but, um, we don't often carve out this kind of time to, to um, have this level of conversation. So I just really appreciate getting to know you more. And I just take a lot of inspiration from your work. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It gave me an opportunity to reflect as well. And I appreciate that a lot.
0: And that's a wrap. Jai, thank you for reminding us that our students are not empty vessels and neither are their teachers. While we move through the uncertainty of distance learning, let's reimagine education with students at the center. Thanks to Rose Kaur who helped out on this episode. And listeners, this podcast depends on you. If you like what you're hearing, take one minute right now to rate and write a review on iTunes. And share the podcast with someone who would enjoy the young and the woke. And until next time, stay woke.